You're listening to Incorporating Superpowers with the voice of reason, risk mitigation expert, and former counterintelligence agent, Justin Reckla. Get ready to rip apart the veil as we dismantle old school business and prepare for what comes next. Business will never be the same. Welcome back to Incorporating Superpowers. My guest today is somebody you're going to want to listen to, especially if you've ever thought about selling your business or if you've thought about buying another business. My guest today is Keyson Patel. He is the CEO and founder of Deal Room, as well as the creator of MA Science. Um, this is going to be a really fascinating conversation. I know a lot of you out there got into business or in business because you want to sell it off. You want to do something else, or perhaps you want to you want to merge and grow into something even bigger. And I, I'm excited to have this conversation today uh, because Kasana has been doing this for for quite some time, and he's got some passion projects as well about educating kids in this business space. Uh, so I'm just going to dive right into it. Kasana, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me, Justin. This is good stuff. So mergers and acquisitions. I know from our days in the counterintelligence, corporate counterintelligence world, uh, we you know we did a lot of third-party due diligence for people that were going through the MA process. But I know there are a lot of people out there, especially our listeners right now, that may not know exactly what MA is. I mean, they understand mergers and acquisitions, but it's such a depth. It's got such a depth to it, and it's an industry that it's not just about mergers and acquisitions. There's a lot of information, a lot of things that go into this process in the M&A industry. So let's start there. What what does the M&A world look like? Yeah, it's a pretty big ecosystem because if you think about the various size of transactions, let's start there. You can have small, privately held businesses. To larger companies that could be owned by private equity firms, family offices. Then you could have even large publicly traded companies that are comprised of quite a few different business lines. And those businesses could go actually go for sale as well. Uh, and then when you look at a transaction, there's typically two sides of, of that, the buyers and sellers. Well, and how many layers are there in each one of those types of trans- transactions? How many how many different things have to be taken into consideration in order for uh, a successful aid to to occur? Yeah, I, we look at it as stages. So when you have, uh, let's say, if you're buying a company, you may go through this early stage of defining your strategy, identifying pun- potential companies to acquire, and then your next phase is where you would do evaluation exercise to get a sense of what your that company is worth to your organization. Uh, and then you move into a diligence period where you're going through uh, making sure what's represented is true and accurate, identifying risk, and ideally doing preparation for what you're going to do with that company after you close on the deal. And then you have this contract negotiation phase where you're really ironing out the paperwork, getting a purchase agreement put together that you can sign, execute, and that'll lead to close where the deal is officially completed. Then you move over into this post-close stage or integration. It could be post-merger integration is the common term used. Uh, and that's where you will integrate the company into your organization. Uh, and typically you have objectives of getting synergies either through cutting costs or finding ways to increase revenue. And you're going to put all those tasks in place. And uh, if 
you do well, you'll create some value. If you don't do that well, you'll destroy a lot of value. So I, I want to be honest here. The, the, the one thing that stands out for me here is, um, wow, this is probably something you don't want to take, take on or tackle yourself. Yeah, it's uh, especially for an organization, it tends to be one of the largest exercise of change management that could happen. So we really need to stack it up with the right resources. If you're an organization going through first-time acquisition, there's a steep learning curve. It'd be a very expensive learning curve. So if you can utilize advisors along the way, uh, various advisors for the legal components, maybe advising the transaction itself, where you may want to work with an investment bank. And then there's a whole myriad of consultants that tackle operational diligence, financial diligence, the integration, planning, and execution. Yeah, there's there's a lot that goes into this. And, and when we get back from break, we're going to talk further about the merger and acquisition world and, and what you need to know to set yourself up for success before we could do that. So where can people go find more information for you about you? Sure. Our website, mascience.com. Fantastic, folks. Go take a look at mascience.com and see what you uh, see what you can find. There's a lot of information on the site, and there's a lot of great resources for you to dive into, especially as you're starting off. Uh, if you're looking to get involved in the MA world uh, or looking at buying or selling the business yourself, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. If you're ready to transform yourself and transform the world through podcasting, we invite you to join us. We co-create a non-competitive, collaborative environment designed to support you as you step into your greatness. Go now to superpowerexperts.com and click on the Programs tab to get started today. Welcome back to Incorporating Superpowers. My guest today is Kassan Patel. We're talking about mergers and acquisitions and just the the layer layer of depth of information that is required to successfully execute an M and A. Um, I know before the show, Cassandra, uh, that you and I were, were talking, and I love the fact that you are big on the education piece, on helping people understand what goes into um, a, a successful M and A. Um, you also talked about. Um, we were also talking about briefly about people that might want to get interested, you know, in, in assuming a career in M and A industry. So, real quick, what, what what does that look like? What kind of career paths can people uh, expect in the M and A industry? We're often exposed, or when we think of M and A, we think of the investment banking career path, where you're number crunching and, and just focusing on financial modeling. You need to go to Ivy League school to to be able to get a finance or econ degree to get in that career path. Uh, I think that's a very big misconception. There's a variety of different roles. When we mentioned some of the consulting roles that touch a lot of different pieces of the transaction, there's the legal side. Uh, there's in-house roles within private equity firms or these large corporations, which is often referred to as strategics, that cover the whole variety of stages that we briefly described from sourcing the deals to going through diligence, which would tap into every function of the company, the marketing, the IT, the legal sales, you know, et cetera. Uh, And then it also lends right over into the integration component. So when you're executing those parts of it, there's usually a project management office set up or integration management that's going to be quarterbacking all these activities and really making sure that these things are executed. 
those are quite a few different roles uh, and, and they're challenging. I mean, people like the thrill of having these high stakes, large transactions. Uh, they're a lot of work and, and they're really rewarding when you complete them. Uh, so there, there's a variety of different career paths that we always want to encourage folks in the industry to explore. So with that, we do operate a online academy program called the MA Science Academy. And last year, we recently launched a diversity scholarship to encourage women and people of diverse backgrounds to get exposure, but also access to top-level training programs that we curate from working with active practitioners in the industry. Uh, that way, they have access to all the trainings and, and so forth and can really get a sense of these different roles in the, in the industry, uh, but also have get prepared for a career in, in the field as well. It's fantastic. It's, it's nice to know that there's a, a resource out there where people can go learn about the MA world because there, I know for a lot of people that it can be confusing. Uh, they know there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, just the, just the number of career, career path possibilities that you just described and mentioned are, are, um, are, are unlimited, right? As far as what, what's possible in that world. And I like the fact that you, you mentioned it's not just about crunching numbers. There's so much more that, that goes into it that you have to understand uh, if you're going to be able to successfully execute a successful M&A. So I, I would ask, when should somebody start the M&A process if they're, we'll look at it first, if, if they're looking to sell their business? What what should they start doing if they're wanting to sell their business? If they and they want to go the M and A route, how, what's what's the best route? What what's the best process for them to get started on that? Early planning is key because I would say it's think of like selling your house. You really want to have the things fixed up, really clean to present. Same thing with your business. You want to have your financials prepared well, so potential buyers can review them and it, it looks in order. And same thing with your organization's operations. Ideally, if you can find somebody that has experience, maybe on the finance side, like a CFO or type of person that's been through an M&A uh, process before, if you can bring them in or, or have them help consult to prepare your company, that could be well worth the, the time or investment. Um, I think, too, you want to think about the strategy pretty early in your goals of selling the company. Is it objectively to get the highest price possible? Or is it to get a good home for your company so that it continues to grow and the legacy moves on? I think you need, need to prioritize that because that would lend into taking the long approach versus the short approach in the sale process where you can go to market, identify potential buyers, and, and get to know them over time and really spend the time and consideration. I, th I think we generally know that more consideration you put in decisions, you tend to make better decisions versus less consideration. You, you don't make the best decisions. So if you can really put the time on your side to court and find the, the right buyer and fit for your company, you know, that's always a, a good favorable thing. But in some other circumstances, objectively, you want to run a very competitive process. You may have investors that, that prompt you to do that because they objectively want to get the highest price for it. Um, then you can work with an investment bank that would run a auction process and they would have a, a network of buyers that they've either worked with in the past or, or pull out of a database. And what they'll do is they'll work with you again, in the preparation, they'll prepare a teaser little sheet to introduce the opportunity. 
then a more comprehensive SIM, which is a confidential information memorandum, a big detailed book about your business. And they'll present that to potential buyers, have them execute a non-disclosure and give them this uh, additional information that they can then review so they can come up with a price uh, on your company. They may have some requests for diligence. And then as that progresses, you'll get to a letter of intent. You know, Between there, they may want to have interviews with the management team, get to know them. Are they going to be part of the plan for purchasing the company? Are they not? They plan to replace the management team. Uh, they get to an offer out there. That's when you review multiple offers with that investment bank. Ideally, multiple offers. I mean, you might not get multiple or any. And, and then from there, decide which direction you, you want to move forward with. Um, and that's when you move into, once you sign a letter of intent, you get into this confirmatory diligence, which gets really intense because the company is going to go through with a fine comb every little detail about the business so they can identify risks. They don't want any surprises that catch them off guard and can throw off their whole investment. They're really going to go through every piece of the business. They're going to re request a lot of information, all your employee contracts, customer contracts, uh, all these details. And that gets really, really tasking. I think a lot of people underestimate what that actually entails. Um, so that's, um, you know, having a bank can be helpful for answering the myriad of questions or clarification questions that come along with it. Uh, just so your management team of your company doesn't get distracted and it affects the performance, which may impact your negotiation on the price. Uh, then you, you get get to comfortability where the buyer is ready to close and then you lawyers will set up a closing purchase agreement gets signed, whether it's an asset structure or a stock structure and then uh, deals closed and it gets handed off and then it moves into an integration phase. Mm. Um, definitely. <laughs> I can see the, the power of pre-planning and, and starting to get yourself organized for this and, and knowing that it's, it's, um, not going to be uh, necessarily a fast process, but it'll be a lot easier process if you have your if you have your ducks in a row. So I've I've got to ask a question though here. I, I know there are a lot of people that that they, they put their heart, their blood, their sweat, their tears into their business, and come time to sell it. Um, how do you, how what kind of advice would you give to somebody that that that's put their blood, sweat, and tears into a business? Uh, that that's getting ready to sell it to somebody get, or getting acquired. Um, how much do they need to remove their ego knowing that, that, you know, the business that they built may not become or last into what they might've seen in the future. How, how does that, that piece play into it? Knowing that it, it, with the minute you sell it, it's no longer yours. Uh, how, how can somebody prepare themselves mentally for, for knowing that the baby that they built that they poured their love, sweat, and tears into to, to let it go and to become something different. It is. It, it's a big change. I, I think the key is asking a lot of questions. Ask a lot of questions to really understand the buyer, understand their strategy, their intentions. What are how well planned out is it? How well what are they planning to do to execute? What are how are they going to get there? What does that end state look like that they're trying to achieve? What does that mean for your customers? How are they going to get impacted? Where do you fit in there? Typically, companies, when they acquire business, they're going to want the principal founder or CEO to stay involved for a period of time through a transition or maybe even have some long-term ambitions depending on the goals and strategy of the deal. But understanding what that's going to look like, there's probably going to be role change. They're not going to be the CEO anymore. But getting a sense of where you're going to fit in in the organizations when they come together Sometimes 
we default to looking at this as purely an exit and you want to handle the transition and move on. But I'm, I'm seeing that even successful CEOs can find opportunities in these acquisitions in the new environment where they can continue to grow and, and thrive in, in that uh, new organization that's combined. So I, I think really getting a lot of questions up front, understand as much as you can, will help you with that transition. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's, you know, there's going to be some acceptance of the fact that, you know, if the minute you release control of the reins, that it may end up going somewhere that you wouldn't have taken it. But are you going to be okay with that? Especially if you're, you know, you've got a clients that you've been caring for and so forth, are they going to continue to be cared for? And it's a good evolution for them as well. Um, I, I love that. It's that part of that due diligence process, making sure the people that you're selling to are going to be a good fit for, for what you see, at least short term for the, the, the transition process. I, I absolutely um, love that. Um, so let's look at on, on the other side of the house. When, when should people start looking at maybe buying other businesses? When, when, when does that come into play for uh, maybe bringing in uh, another business into their own current organization. What 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 are some of the things that people should be looking for? Is that is it just is early planning still uh, part of the process there? I'd say yeah, early planning, flushing out a strategy, because M and A isn't you don't do M and A for the sake of doing M and A. Maybe there's some opportunistic opportunities out there, which is fine, but you want to have a strategy flushed out so that you can leverage M&A as a tool against the strategy. And then when you're looking at, hey, we're growing organically at this rate, but we want to accelerate growth. And we want to do that through expanding into new markets. Europe looks like a great market, but if we go there directly, it's going to take a long time and a lot of work. Can we get a market penetration faster through an acquisition? Uh, Hey, we have this platform and we have these... uh, saturation with customers in this industry and, and financial services, for example. Um, but we, we have this limited scope of capabilities or, or products and services we're offering them. Can we expand that? Can we look for new capabilities? And maybe we're seeing this big uh, demand for AI tools. Well, can we look at some of these early stage AI tools and be able to acquire that capability to expand our revenues faster by adding more offerings in our existing distribution channel. Uh, so ha- having a clear strategy laid out, that, that creates that clarity. So then when you go out, uh, you can identify the targets and know where they fit in the strategy. But I think also with organizations, it's not just you as a leader, you can have folks within the organization when they understand that strategy, it could be your product people that may identify, hey, this would actually be a really good company for us to acquire, they may actually do a better job of identifying potential acquisitions, having that clarity on the strategy. That, that's where it starts first and foremost. And then from there, there, there's a, a pretty significant learning curve in how to manage, how to go through the diligence to identify the risks. But really the value comes from how well you can execute integrating the company. If we buy that business for capabilities, we can't technically integrate it. We got some problems there. Uh, we don't really have our sales team with a good go-to-market to be able to take that product out to market. 
that's not well thought out and doesn't get executed, well, we're not going to realize the anticipated value because you're likely going to pay a pretty significant premium to get somebody to sell. That's going to cause some problems. You're going to miss the mark. It's going to take you longer to realize the value. So there's the the muscle you got to develop to be able to go through the diligence, identify the risks, make sure that's all sound while also planning and the ability to integrate the company. Ooh. Lots of things to take into consideration, lots of due diligence, lots of preparing, whether you're buying or selling uh, a business, it's important to start that process, uh, to start that process now, right? It's uh, getting yourself organized and knowing what you want, what you're hoping to, what you're hoping to achieve and what you're, what it looks like on the other side of that M&A process, regardless if you're buying or selling. I think that's extremely, extremely important. Um, so I, I do want to kind of transition here real quick as we have uh, a little bit of time. I want to talk about one of your passion projects. You're, you're big on educating and, and, and bringing this kind of information to, to children and, and kids. And, and uh, we were talking before the break, uh, before the show, uh, about how you know your 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 daughter's in business, and my daughter's in business, and so forth. And just the, the power of that. Um, what what should kids be looking at in, from the M and A perspective in business? What are what are some of the things that they should should start learning about right now? If business is going to be in their future, I, I always thought leadership was a key thing. There there's leadership, but then even I remember as early as five six years old with my kids when they start learning thank you sorry but it wasn't thank you sorry in fact i forbid them for saying thank you sorry is standalone words so they're transactional Ooh. they don't have meaning add the meaning put in the why put in the you know thank you for what sorry for what and it, even on little going to the grocery store is always the activity i did with them we go to the grocery store hey thank you for bagging the groceries thank you for being so quick thank you for the conversation thank you for putting up with my dad whatever it is gratitude right add that in there because it creates meaning but it it carries over because we forget that as adults a lot of times we're asking for help but you don't clarify that why and really define the meaning where you you can make your communication a lot stronger uh you know empathy was a big one when getting them to understand that you may have objectives and things what you want but a lot of times you need to put that to the side and understand where the other person's head's at. What are they thinking? How do they feel? Why do they feel that way? Get them to start tuning in with other people so that they start understanding how's your communication making people feel? How can you align yourself around the other person's goals and help them out? And they're more inclined to reciprocate and help you out with some of the things that you're trying to achieve. Uh, you know, little things like that. I feel like you can teach these kids early because even as grownups, they take us such a long time to develop those skills that it, I think it's missing. We, I did a podcast series with my daughter and we've done about 40 of them now where we interviewed a variety of influencers. And the theme was, what are your top three principles for success in leadership? And it's very common themes across the board. But I, I think the next goal is to reverse engineer that and present it as a curriculum to school and saying, look, like we interviewed these people who are highly successful. These are what they attributed to success. These aren't the things we're teaching in school right now. Can we change that? Oh, absolutely love this. I have a feeling you and I may be having some future conversations as uh, uh, we're getting ready to tackle the uh, uh, some education reform uh, from within our own organization as we're, we're presenting 
new uh, ways that people can get educated for themselves and for the kids. Uh, you're spot on. And folks, everything that Kassan is talking about here is the foundational principles of superpowers. I mean, this, these are the basics of what it takes to really show up fully in the world. Um, I love the fact that you, uh, that you, you, know, you forbid your kids and say, thank you. And just, sorry, it's, it's, we, we, we did very much the same thing in our house, you know, sorry, I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry. is not a word, right? It's, it's, I apologize for whatever the apology is for, right? Thank you. And showing and appreciating, expressing the gratitude, uh, and, and being specific about it because it does, it does matter. Um, these, these are awesome principles and, and folks just hearing Kassan talk about his, his daughter and his relationship, this should encourage you to go take a look at mnascience.com and, and what they're doing in that space, because it's those principles right there that build the foundation for everything that the business is doing. I love the fact that you're doing that with your daughter as well, Kassan. Uh, one more time, where can people go find more information about you? Sure. Uh, mascience.com for anything MA. The stuff for the leadership, we actually have a bossmove.org, which um, kind of has some fun content ar- around there. Fantastic. Folks, go take a look at what Kassan's doing and, and get your MA education going. Start looking at it now and look at the opportunities that the industry provides for you as an, as an individual and as for your business as well. And until next time, Make sure you go out there, incorporate your own superpowers so you can change the world. Take care. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.